Zen and the art of making do. Not sure it has much to do with Zen. Then again, maybe it does. It's all coming up next on the Gratitude Journal podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal podcast. The dog days of summer. The dog days of summer, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Matthew is my name. And uh, first and foremost, I'm not really sure how terribly important this is or what it all means because really my entrance into the podcast domain is relatively new. But uh, yours truly, the host of the Gratitude Journal podcast, is celebrating 1,000 downloads. That's right. I got some notification from Podbean, which is where we actually host this podcast. And of course, you use whatever platform you enjoy listening to, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whether it's Android podcasts. But at any rate, I got a notification from Podbean saying that we have a thousand downloads. So they sent me this little logo and I put it out on some of the social media sites and I kind of stared at it and went, well, what does all this mean? And in reality, it doesn't really mean much. So I just felt compelled to mention it though. So so maybe that was a little ego-centered. So I apologize for that. But I really felt it necessary to mention it for whatever reason. So hopefully you are safe and well and healthy uh, here in the Buckeye State. Our governor has issued a mask requirement. I'm not sure what's going on in your particular neck of the woods. I have a feeling that perhaps he may have been a little late to the party based on what this state has done to react to COVID-19. I'm really surprised it's kind of taken this long. And the pushback has been fairly severe from some groups, of course, as you would imagine. But that's the way it is. In the age of COVID-19 here in 2020, it's hard to please everybody. And really, the mask requirement for my wife and I really doesn't seem all that much different from what we've been doing, really, since late or rather um, early spring. So uh, while that is happening uh, in our state, there continues to be a pushback, but not pushback from us. We travel regularly with all kinds of assortments of masks and, and we're fairly careful about maintaining social distance and some of the other requirements that are necessary in this age of COVID-19. It's been uh, humid in our neck of the woods, as is usually the case here at this time of the year. We're a day before opening day, and so obviously we're celebrating the return of baseball. My lawn looks like the infield dirt at a baseball game. Little patches of green here and there, but for the most part it's brown. I did not have to mow uh, (laughs) last week, so I was pretty happy about that. Uh, I have, though, on the docket this project that I've been putting off for the past couple of years and that is to uh, restain or repaint my front porch. I have an enormous back deck that also needs it but I'm not sure I'm going to get to that this year 
But that's going to be my new project as next week I'm sort of taking a couple of days off from work and I'll be attempting that. And as anyone who knows me knows, I'm not the most adept person at home repair projects and I've made at least three visits to Home Depot so far just to make sure that I was asking the right questions, that I was getting the right product to try to strip off as much of the old crap as I could. And then what is optimum temperature to apply it? And luckily for me, we haven't had optimum temperature. Either it's been raining and you can't have it wet, or it's been far too hot and you can't really do it above 90 degree weather. So, so really I've been sitting on my fat keister just doing nothing, which is normally my MO anyway. So, uh, but I stare at it. I look, <laughs> I look at the, the jugs of stuff that I'm supposed to use and I think, yep, I'm going to make this porch presentable again. So that's going to be at least one project in my uh, several day vacation next week. While I was brought up in a sports family, there is one sport that often eluded my grasp, often eluded my ability. Early on, as I mentioned in other podcasts, my father, a former catcher, wasted no time in teaching us how to catch and throw a baseball, catch and throw a football, dribble and appropriately shoot a basketball, using the backboard if we could, playing good defense. Um, and these things were fairly common in our house growing up from my father. And I've managed throughout my lifetime to sprinkle in a couple of other sports here and there. I've always been a big fan of tennis. And even though I don't play very much anymore, I really enjoyed playing. And really, I think I was the only member of my immediate family of all the siblings who really ever picked up a tennis racket. And to this day, I still really enjoy it. The other thing that I attempted to play was golf. And I mentioned golf because golf is just one of these sports that has just eluded me. I mean, I just have not been able to figure out the mechanics of the swing. Uh, I, while I admire the sort of the spirituality of golf and you're out there, you know, by yourself playing against yourself, uh, and that ball is just sitting there so picture perfect, you know, it's, it's cropped up on the grass and your only requirement is to, you know, properly strike the ball and advance it forward. And this has just been a huge challenge for me. And so over the years, I've attempted to, uh, I guess, quote unquote, study the game of golf with somebody. And I recall a time where, <laughs> and my friend Kyle will remember this because he attempted to <laughs> give me lessons once as well. I went down to a golf course in Zor, which is south of Canton. It's about 20 miles south of Canton. And someone had said to me, hey, if you want to uh, study the golf swing and take a couple of lessons, this guy is the guy to see. And while his name escapes me at the moment, I can still see his face. And so at any rate, I showed up on a day much like today, a little bit overcast, very humid. And as I was pulling into the parking lot, the sun came out. And so it was a sort of a typical summer day and I was kind of excited because everyone had told me about this teacher. And as you know, good students require good teachers and good 
teachers are responsible for advancing the you know the, the further education and goals of you know good students and students who are willing to learn so i was pretty happy about this so i asked somebody you know where should i go and they said well go up on the tee box there on the driving range and so and so i'll just say jeff jeff will be out uh here in a little bit so i went up there and i put my clubs and leaned them against the bench and i sort of pulled out a seven iron and i started to kind of swing it back and forth to kind of limber up a little bit and out in the distance i saw this figure kind of walking towards me and his head was sort of bowed and he was walking sort of a little bow-legged and he had this cigarette kind of dangling out of his mouth and he was approaching very slowly very methodically and quite honestly he was approaching in such a way that this lesson with me at one o'clock in the afternoon was the last thing he wanted to do in his day he just had an air about him because other teachers, they would sort of bounce on to the, you know, the uh, driving range uh, area and say, hey, how are you? I'm Joe. And, you know, just very excited. OK, we're going to learn golf today. You're, you're going to be plowing that ball down in the middle of the fairway. But Jeff, who I'll call uh, for these purposes, seemed like this was the last place he wanted to be. And so he approached me and he looked at me <laughs> and he said, you my one o'clock? And I said, uh, yes, yes, I, I have a lesson scheduled for one o'clock. And so he went over to the other bench and in between those benches were the, the synthetic driving surface of the driving range. So he said, well, and I, <laughs> I said, well, what? He said, well, let's see you hit a few. And so I took my bucket of balls and kind of poured out a few and I lined up and I took a swing and the ball kind of went nowhere. And then I took another swing and it kind of went off to the right. And, and so I hit several balls and relatively okay, but this sort of swung off to the right. It was all in all, not a very prolific performance. And so while I'm swinging the club, he's smoking cigarettes, watching me, running his hand through his hair. So after about 10 or 11 balls, I stopped and I said, you know, Jeff, sometimes I think it's these clubs, you know, I just feel like they're not weighted properly. And maybe I should kind of have the, um, the head of the club turned a little bit to try to, you know, overcompensate and, maybe I should do this and maybe I should do that. I'm sort of moaning and going on and on and on. And he took a long drag off of his cigarette and he threw it down onto the ground and he stood up and he stamped out the cigarette and he walked over to me with his sort of hunched over gait and he said, let me see that club. And so I sort of got out of the way and he took the club and he took a ball and he lined up the ball and he took a swing. And the ball left the club head and it sort of skimmed along the surface like an airline jet sort of moseying down the runway. And all of a sudden, maybe like, I don't know, 50, 60 yards out, the ball started to climb much like a jet at an airport and it climbed and it soared and it started to ascend into the sky. 
and almost to the point where the only thing visible in the whole world was this little white pill getting smaller and smaller and it just ejected out into the atmosphere and I don't know, maybe like an hour later, it probably landed on the moon, I'm sure. But it just it just kind of went out there and it just it just made me feel nauseous. And so he took a cigarette out of his pocket, he lit it, and he turned around to me with the club and he handed it back to me. And without looking and walking back over to his bench, he said, there's nothing wrong with that club. Later on, when I was driving home, I thought, you know, obviously it's it's not the clubs, it's it's me, and and I'm just gonna make do with these clubs because if I spend more money on clubs, it's really not going to make any difference, and so this act of making do really didn't start there. It was really kind of a situation that's really been ingrained in my growing up years because my father, who was an industrial arts teacher, didn't have much money to go around. And my mother was the matriarch of the family. She didn't go outside of the home to work until much later when we were all in our teens and some of us advancing towards college which is where in the evenings both my parents would clean offices to earn extra money so we were used to making do and I thought about this making do the other day when I went to the save a lot and the save a lot here is kind of a budget supermarket it's a supermarket that has some brand names, but for the most part, there's a lot of off brands, like labels on products that look like the original labels. Like for instance, at some of these save you won't find Jif peanut butter, but you'll find a peanut butter that has a label that kind of looks like Jif peanut butter. If you use uh, Eagle brand canned milk, You'll find canned milk, but it won't be Eagle brand. It'll be a label that kind of simulates Eagle brand. And I don't think it's any secret that things have been tough for us over the past couple of years, uh, tough for the business, and really forcing us to make do. Now, early on, I was a little depressed about making do. And sometimes I still kind of wallow in my make-do-itness. The other day I was kind of meandering around the aisles with my bag. And this is a place where you can buy a bag if you want a bag, much like an Aldi, I guess. But I usually carry in the bags. And so I donned my mask and I had my little list and I kind of went up and down the aisles making do looking at cans of vegetables that normally would be Del Monte or Libby, if they still make Libby, or Stokely. 
And they weren't. They were brands that I'd never heard of really before, but I've heard of them in this store. So I'm used to buying Harvest Fresh or True Value Vegetables or something like that. And I was back in the corner looking at dairy products and maybe some eggs or some creamer for my coffee. And I kind of turned around and I had this really sort of expansive view of the Save-A-Lot. And I was just kind of watching the people who looked a lot like me. People who were also making do, trying their best to just do what they needed to do. Just doing what they need to do. And I thought about my father coming home in the middle of the afternoon with that auto parts truck. And I know he didn't want to drive an auto parts truck, but that's what he needed to do. He made do. My mother and I joke a lot about all of the hamburger helper that she bought. All of the different ways that she made dinners for seven kids using hamburger. And really not even hamburger. It was, a, it was you know, a way below a notch of ground chuck. I mean, this was like the sort of gristly stuff that you get. The sort of the cheapest, most inexpensive kind of ground beef. And I'm assuming that it was all beef, <laughs> you know. But we didn't know any better. We just, you know, we loved it. We just knew that we were going to have variety number nine of hamburger helper because that's what we did we we made do with what we had and i stood in that store and i looked at all those people and i thought you know this is america this is america making do i mean these people like me are a couple of paychecks away from imminent disaster strolling up and down the aisles trying to find off-brand things that will get them through to the next time that they have to put on their mask and grab their own bags and march up and down the aisles looking for ways to make do. This is America. I'm grateful for my parents teaching us how to make do. I don't know how much my siblings have to do that. I'm not particularly clear on their situations. Our situation is pretty tenuous, actually. And I would assume that our situation mirrors a lot of America's situation that not everyone in America has a 401k, that not everyone is in America can just dial up that app on their phone and switch some money from one mutual fund to the other to cover this or that purchase, that they can easily decide in a non-pandemic year whether they want a vacation at Hilton Head or whether they want a vacation at Destin. I mean, there are a lot of people whose idea of a vacation 
is probably going to be much like our idea of a vacation. A day trip somewhere where we haven't been. And then coming back home to strip paint off the front porch. I'm not complaining about it. I'm realistically acknowledging that making do is sometimes the best thing to do. Depending on the situation. I mean, 2020 has turned into the land of hunker down and make do, really. And I've spent a lot of time over the past almost two years trying to find ways to cut to the bone so that we can better make do. And in a way, I'm grateful for that. Because it's taught me what my parents probably went through. And if we ever are in the situation where we don't have to make do so much, I think I'll appreciate making do better. Because really, do the Stokely green beans taste all that much different from the Harvest Fresh green beans? Probably not really. I've played this phone game with Spectrum, our cable provider, over the past couple of weeks. Because my attempt was to slim down cost and try to find the right package so that we have some choice, but that I don't feel like I'm writing a check for $400 every month just to watch television. And it was really funny because I finally found a package that was, uh, in a sense, a streaming package only that guaranteed me 10 channels. And I elected not to have a DVR just so that I could cut down on the cost. So I unplugged last week the DVR and I drove it up to the Spectrum office so that I could announce to them the 10 channels that I wanted and then I was going to turn in my DVR so I could have $13.99 taken off my bill every month. Now, as is sometimes the case, the information you get from one person on the phone versus the information you might get on the website versus the information you get from somebody that you actually talk to in person, those scenarios can differ greatly. And this was a perfect example of that because in my dealings beforehand, obviously, as you know, baseball is very important to us. So I marched up there with the DVR under my arm and I said, well, I'm going to go to the 10 channel package, including the local channels. And I want to make sure that Sports Time Ohio is in there because we, we have to watch the tribe. You know, they're, they're kicking off on the 24th of July. And the person behind the mask checked his computer screen and he said, well, you can just set that DVR right there. But uh, Sports Time Ohio isn't a part of your package. And I said, oh, that's interesting. That's not what the person on the phone told me. And that's not really what your website is saying. Well, yeah, we have to make some corrections to that because um, uh, Sports Time Ohio has a relationship with Fox Sports 
and Fox Sports in this particular package is not a part of the a la carte process. It's only a part of the upper tier level that you just left. So in order to watch the Cleveland Indians play baseball, you would have to get that upper tier level again. So I didn't really know how to break that news to Donna because really the whole purpose of me tucking that DVR under my arm and marching up to the Spectrum office was to cut back on money. So I attempted to explain it to her and I said, you know what, let's look at it this way. There are only 60 games this year and you and I both enjoy baseball on the radio, right? And she nodded and I said, so just because we won't have the games on the television, and then she interrupted me and said, we're not having the games on the television? And then I tried to explain to her what had just transpired. And I said, no, we'll just have to make do. We'll just have to make do. And she kind of looked down in the distance. And I said, well, you actually prefer the announcers on radio anyway, right? Trying to make myself feel better. And she said, yeah, you know what? I do. We're going to do that. We're going to sit on our deck, our badly in need of restained deck. And we're going to sit in our favorite chair and we're going to listen to the ball game. And I thought to myself, okay, we're going to make do. I'll let you know in the next episode, whether, <laughs> whether that's really okay. I created a monster with my father and craft beer, and it was about the time of my wedding in 1999 that my father, a longtime crap beer drinker, came up to a little barbecue that we threw at our house. And he asked me if I had a Anheuser-Busch light or whatever the swill was that he was drinking at the time. And I said, no, but I do have this Burning River Pale Ale from Great Lakes in Cleveland. What the hell's that? Well, it's just a, it's a beer, you know, it's a craft beer. It's, it's becoming popular. Oh, give me one of those. And that turned the tables. That completely renovated my father's palate. From then on, he understood and realized what good beer tasted like. But before that, he made do. And it was very common for my father to take a can of Natural Light. That's a brand I remember. And he would sometimes drink half of the can and then to stretch it out a little bit, he would go over to the kitchen sink and he would pour some water into it. Now, this stuff was watered down enough anyway, but that didn't matter to him. All he knew is that rather than open up another beer, he was going to augment his stash with some extra water. And that was going to get him through that particular evening of beer drinking. So he knew that he didn't have to buy beer Again, maybe until Thursday instead of Wednesday. And that was his idea of making do. And whether it was beer, whether it was having 
tires retreaded to make them stretch longer. Whether it was Michael wearing my shirts so my mom didn't have to buy him shirts. My parents were specialists in making do. A couple of weeks ago, I went out to the garage to take those same golf clubs that I've had for years and to move them out of the garage to do some cleaning. And while I set the bag of golf clubs down, I took one of the clubs out and I started to kind of swing it back and forth. And I realized with a completely torn rotator cuff and really the need for a total shoulder reconstruction, that there was no way that I was ever going to swing a golf club again, never. And so I decided to sell those clubs and I put them on Craigslist. And it wasn't too terribly long that a guy from the Southern Cleveland suburbs emailed me and said, hey, I'm looking for a set of clubs for my son. And uh, I wanna look at your clubs. And so they came down later that night and I had them sitting out and I was kind of looking at them and thinking about that day at the driving range. And a black truck pulled up and out jumped a very affable a gentleman with mask and his son also wearing a mask. His son had just graduated from college and was getting ready to accept the job out of the state, but for some reason felt like he needed to learn the game of golf. And so they looked at the clubs, which were really in pretty good shape. And they said, you know, these will work. These will work. And I looked at the sun and I said, you know what? You can make do with these clubs. These clubs will work. It'll get you to the point where you can decide whether this game is something you really want to do, something you really want to invest time in. And as I watched them uh, put the clubs in the back of their truck and drive away, I was pretty grateful that my parents taught me how to make do or try to make do because this seems like the time to do that. And then I put everything back into the garage and realized the space that I would normally reserve for a motorcycle is something that I had to get rid of and I had to sell in order to pay off a surgery bill and make do. And hopefully one of these days, now that I have a set of clubs and some other paraphernalia out of the garage, I can reserve the space for a future bike. Who knows? Maybe at a time where we'll have to make do a little less. But the positive front is that all this making do enabled us to have a few bucks to put on an extra car payment. And so for the first time in a long time, we are car payment less. How about that? Hey, a thousand downloads and no car payment. Life is good, baby. Life is good. So hopefully you are not experiencing any COVID-19 symptoms. 
And hopefully you are the kind of person who wears a mask and practices social distancing and washes your hands or uses hand sanitizer. I'll be on the road next weekend seeing my good buddies Ron and Gary in Kentucky. Kind of an annual thing that we generally try to do. And it will be different, naturally. We'll be practicing safe talking (laughs) and safe imbibing uh, on the front porch in Louisville. And hopefully that will be all good. Until then, here's thanking you for listening and downloading yet another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast.